0: everyone and welcome to the geek rant episode 250 so long godfather recorded august 28th 2016 and brought to you by element op productions element op.com welcome back ladies and gentlemen to the only show on the internet where geeks rant this is the one it doesn't happen anywhere else on the internet i promise don't bother to look it up uh, i am your host mark the sultan of the soapbox cockerel and joining me this week as always kind of or your stalwart co host Chris the command god god command line godfather Neves, and Seth the gooey kid Anderson. Hello, gentlemen.
1: Hello, Mark, Seth, and everyone out there at Internet Land. I hope you had a great week.
2: And it'll be a hidey ho to all the element OP Faithful and Chris, I guess somebody
1: made you an offer you couldn't refuse. <laughs> or maybe I'm making the offer that people can't or refuse. Or his wife
0: said, You must do this. That's that's the offer he can't refuse.
1: That could yeah. be.
0: I was I was it's so possible. choked up there, I couldn't even get through his name. So this is Seth, uh, Seth's, not Seth. This is Chris's last show with us, the command line Godfather, who literally started it all. I'm I'm not kidding. I did. He started this show. Um, he was uh, in the chat room of the Tightwad Tech Show, and he said, "Hey guys, you want to do uh, a Linux show?" And so we did an episode of the the uh, the Tightwad Tech Show about um, Linux, and then it turned into the Everyday Linux Podcast with a completely different lineup at that time, but uh, Chris and I are the only two who've made the cut from five-plus years ago to today, and it all ends now because he's quitting, the freaking loser.
1: I am. I am. I'm sorry that things have changed and jobs have shifted and timelines don't match up anymore, so I have to hang up my headphones but Chris, you're not really figuratively leaving. For now. We're
2: just going to put a pin in this, <laughs> so you can circle back around to it someday.
1: There you go. I like that idea. We'll we'll just put a pin in me. We'll we'll hang my 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 name badge. Will be permanently hung up there as a Here. as a as a hopeful that I'll return. No, but
0: for those of you watching on YouTube or or uh, just now watching, I, I just i I just clicked the button. Sorry about that. I forgot, um, and I don't want that now. It's making sounds sorry um (laughs) i forgot to start it and then i forgot to mute it um i'm I'm discombobulated today sorry it just
2: yeah it's an it's emotional chris you're wrecking the show
0: (laughs) um but as as i alluded to uh previously um chris is you know he's got stuff he's 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 a he's a dad he's a worker he's a you know he got stuff to do so i do and uh, so he's leaving us and um you know and we don't bear him any ill will not too much anyway
1: just yeah. a little just a little guilt you know stabbed in the in the upper left quadrant of of my heart just a little <laughs>
0: uh but we uh we appreciate it we uh I th- think most people listening don't realize how much effort it is to do a podcast you know week in and week out it's actually harder than most people think and uh, and he's done it for 5 years and we appreciate it and uh you know
1: it it's a lot more of a time commitment than most people that realize so and to to definitely come in you know the i don't know what do we do 2 2 to 2 hours 3 hours at least every sunday plus staying up current with all the news it's it's tough so
2: man i remember those early shows how are we going to get 30 minutes out of this <laughs> oh jeez
1: yeah no kidding the very beginning when we're way back when no yeah we we had uh all those very very first shows mark well who was the other guy with tux not not Tux. yeah what was Uh, the other kid's name
0: i don't know we've we've blocked them from they're dead to us and and in a month i won't remember your name so you know oh
1: (laughs) at least i get a month yeah yeah i'm all right with a month (laughs) i'm all right with a month that was josh reitz um that's uh, it that's it yes yeah, he had the tux for his yeah, icon.
0: And um and I don't but, remember the girl's name. She was only on for two weeks. Um I don't remember her name. Sorry, girl, if you're listening. Um
1: Yeah, that was a pretty short one.
0: <laughs> anyway, uh But uh let's talk about some memory lane. some just stuff. Um I watched today the um Amazon premiere um preview is that what they call it premiere preview anyway they they put out a bunch of uh, pilots and you can vote on them and decide it's a pilot season yeah um i watched the tick today and um and then i went and checked the reviews and it's right now got like 9000 reviews with an average of 4.5 so you can be pretty sure that this is actually going to be made with that kind of numbers but i won't be watching it i i just didn't like it at all it wasn't funny it wasn't really? charming um uh, it just i didn't enjoy it so I was sad about that. I wanted to enjoy it. Not funny
1: because it was.
2: It, well, huh. it was it. You can tell they tried a little. Like the tick doesn't come off as funny. He comes off as weird. Yeah. So the tick has to be funny for the show to work. And the uh, the one that came out, I know, Mark, you didn't like it. I loved Patrick the, the Warburton, but one. that he was all I liked about it. Yeah, but yeah, but even yeah, he was he was funny, you know, and the tick was funny, and so they've made it a lot more realistic. As much as you can have a guy who dresses like a right. tick and can jump fifty feet, be realistic, but they've made the show more realistic, and um, so it, it doesn't work with. It was written
0: by Ben Edlund, so. right? Who's been the writer of the Tick for as long as there's been a Tick, um, and he executive produced it. Which executive producing could be anything from. Uh, somebody bought him a coffee one day to who was on set every day and got script approval. So that doesn't necessarily mean anything, but at least it has his, had his seal of approval, or maybe he just wanted to cash a check after so long. Uh, but it didn't feel like the tick. It just didn't feel like it. Um, it was, they tried to make it gritty, um, which is weird. Um, and it was, there was, since since when is the tick? Yeah, it was violent and there was, there was foul language, not things again that I, I, fortunately my kids weren't in the room, but I certainly wasn't expecting that out of the tick at all. Every other iteration of the tick has been family friendly and this time it wasn't. So I was really, maybe that was what disappointed me is the tone was so very different, but also it just wasn't as funny. I didn't laugh. Uh, well, I laughed maybe once or twice in the 20 minutes, uh, however long it was. I don't even know. Um, uh, the whole thing I laughed a couple of times, whereas you know in the the cartoon and even the you know the Patrick Warburton when I would laugh you know really really hard at least two or three times. this one it was eh, once it was a chuckle, hey, that was kinda cute, uh so hey, disappointing,
2: yeah, they were going after if you took the tick and set him in like the daredevil yeah. universe um that's kind of, you know and the tick is not daredevil and so they shouldn't have but they're like let's make the tick daredevil and i mean um, i could yeah, i
0: could they, actually see how that could work if you have this one totally diluted psychotic uh character um in the real world and i think that's what they were going for instead of having this alternate world of just weird people and tick being one of the weird people he was the one weird guy in the normal world. Uh so I think that's what they were going for and it just it lost the charm. The charm of the tick was the fact that he was maybe not even the the most weird of all the weird people. I mean when right. you're when you right. v- your villain is Chippendale Chairface. I mean that's pretty pretty out there. Um in this case it was, you know, it just didn't didn't ring true to me. Me either. All right. So enough about that
1: I'll have, i am um, i i it's still on my list to watch just because I want to see it
0: yeah, and I hope I haven't soured it for because p- p- you may like it in spite of my you know ramblings and and that's fine it's okay for you to like it. I don't want anybody to listen to this oh, yeah. if you if you were going to watch it, go ahead and watch it. don't let me turn you off, but it just not it wasn't for me um it was uh the I'm sure everybody knows this guy as something else, but the car- the the character who played the tick was Stanley. From the movie Couples Retreat, which I think is one of the funniest bit characters ever put on film, and he was brilliant, but as the tick wasted. Oh, that's too bad. Um, another thing, I managed to unload more crap I didn't want thanks to Craigslist. So I'm really enjoying Craigslist as a way of unloading crap I don't want.
2: Wow. Uh, so are you selling it for really cheap or just giving just it, it away? Giving it away.
0: I probably could have sold it, but then you get people having expectations. Right. Once you put a price tag, even if the price is a dollar, people are like, "Well, I you know, this may not be a good thing. I'm, I'm going to test this, and, and and if it breaks, I, they want to come." No, you give something away that takes away any ability to complain or care. So that's my that's my <laughs> philosophy. That's, that's
1: and true. you know, I did the same thing. I did the same thing. I said free. At, what was it? A dollar or free is what I put on a bunch of stuff that I did when I moved. Just because I didn't want yeah. uh, that for the same reason, a dollar or free in. You'd be surprised how many people said, "Here's your dollar, I'll yeah. take it."
0: So I, I, mm-hmm. I gave away a uh, a fifteen plus year old exercise bike that uh, the electronics were fried in. I think one of my kids poured some water down it. Um, it, it still kind of works, but you don't get the variable resistance, you don't get the heart readout, uh, you don't get any of that stuff anymore. Um, so I probably could have sold that for I don't know fifty bucks, but fifty bucks isn't going to change my life. But then, as soon as I put a $50 price tag on it, people have expectations. The guy who picked it up was like, uh, he got on it, he tested it, he wrote it, said, none of this works. I said, no. He said, well, I guess I can't complain for free. like, yeah, exactly. You can't complain for free. Load it up and get out
1: of here. <laughs> <laughs> right. And he loaded it up and he took did. it away. I, I even, I he even helped
0: it. disassemble it so he could put it into the back of his um, uh, uh, Toyota Camry. Why would you go to pick up an exercise bike if you drive a Toyota Camry?
2: Why? You are you are assuming brains <laughs> in the greater population. Remember, if it were common sense, more people yeah. would have it.
0: But we together, I, I put more effort into it than I wanted to. I mean, I gave it to him and then worked for him, so it was like negative effort yeah. at that point. But we disassembled it at least in large pieces, and he managed to shove it in the back seat and uh, made it work. So
1: okay, it, it you didn't have to pay it pay for it to be hauled away exactly that's all that matters
0: when i moved a while back i considered just leaving it there hey free exercise bike but no somebody would have <laughs> yelled at me about that
2: <laughs> i don't know i didn't leave
0: anything there <laughs> that was there <laughs> when i came in it. i swear it was yeah
2: it was empty when i left
1: that's <laughs> <a while
0: ago. laughs> somebody must have broke in and, and put a 15 year old exercise bike
2: there one of those Let's underground gyms
1: <laughs> there you go what you could have done is done what they do in the college towns, they just put free and put it on the on the side of this by the street. Yeah. And hang a little free tent on it. And then just hey, it's communal it's community then. And that may have worked, Nobody but trying to
0: help the this is a neighborhood of, you know, fifty forty and fifty somethings. I don't know <laughs> that it would have worked as well here.
1: Oh well then. You just busted my bubble. Um <laughs> Anyway.
0: Uh so Seth, you wanna briefly because we've talked about it way too much uh want to regale us uh in your latest exploits in bitcoin mining
2: well okay no i was actually mining so um there is an app i'm sure there are many apps but there's an actual bitcoin mining app that you can mine on your phone so i took one of uh an android tablet that i bought last christmas and haven't really used for anything I fired that up and loaded it, and you know, in order to really get anything, you need at least giga hashes, um, and this was doing uh, point kilo hash. <laughs>
1: so- <laughs>
2: I mean, I let it run for a few hours just to, and then because I joined the mining pool, I wasn't going to be. I you know I knew enough to know this wouldn't do anything on Moz, so I joined joined the Slush mining pool, which was the first one ever, apparently. And then I, I had it on, and I just watched my statistics on Slush, and you could tell occasionally it would do a block thing, but it was never enough. To register, it has on. So um, that's my foray into the actual. I'm doing some other cloud uh, mining, but uh, that was my foray into actually mining Bitcoin. So there's some blockchain out there <laughs> the you that you verify forever. I am a part of. So yeah. Anyway, at yeah. least for a minute. Well, no, because, you know, the block, the the strength of the blockchain is that it records every action. So sure. I'm, I'm a part of that blockchain now for all eternity.
0: Yeah. It's another one of those places where I kick myself. Cause when I first heard about Bitcoin with a regular desktop computer, you could expect to solve something every week or so. And if Thank I had you. done that, you know, and just turn it on, just throwing it on the computer downstairs that nobody pays any attention to. I could have thousands of dollars right now, but nah, this is not a thing. I, I don't. I'm not even interested.
2: Yeah, That's now. If you want to nail, it's almost impossible to mine for a profit in America. You would have to have some type of solar power or, you know, wind power where you're not paying for the electricity and somehow some place to keep it cool. So either the further north or further underground you were and the rigs that will pay anything. They're actually not that expensive. You can get one set up for less than $2,000, but um, it would... I mean, you know, compared to a new car or what people pay for their latest Apple device or a TV, um, that's not that bad. But you're, it would take you roughly two years to make your money back if you yeah. weren't paying for electricity along the way. Right. So
1: that's still that's not even worth the, the the effort in my book for that. At that point, you know, you have to have a two year commitment just to make your money back on the thing you bought. To give you, to make you money. That's almost as bad as the banking industry's interest rates. So,
2: well, you know, if you, that's, that's pretty tough. If you live, like, say you lived in the Arctic Circle and could get internet out there, you could actually get a couple of these to heat your home because they're throwing off the heat. And then, the, you know, and I mean, you would okay. you would basically be contributing to global warming, but you would be getting paid to heat your house, you know, and set up like a solar panel or something and do it during the summer when you got the six months of daylight. You, you, it there could you
0: work. Go. I read an article yeah. uh, last year sometime. It's been a while about a, a mining operation that was going to set up in... I think it was costa rica under a waterfall because the waterfall would provide we would generate power and provide cooling uh so they were going to build a data center in the cave under the waterfall and let the waterfall do the thing but the the whole issue was getting connected to the blockchain you know you can generate all that but you're in a waterfall in costa rica um and that was the issue they were trying to resolve i don't know if they ever figured it out
1: hmm interesting
0: so that's what we've resorted to. I mean, think about it. When you if you if you look at gold mining or uh, diamond mining, uh, people have to go to that ex, uh, extremes today, right? In, in King Solomon's times, thousands of years ago, they could just send a few slaves down the uh, into a hole and and diamond and mine diamonds. But now um, they're you know uh, major multi billion dollar operations. So Bitcoin mining intentionally. Is following that same path. You used to just be able to walk around and and pick bitcoins up off the ground, and now you have to have you know uh, a multi uh, billion dollar multi year plan to get any. So I, I think it's interesting that these that the developers of it have so closely followed the real world resource mining uh, track.
1: It is interesting.
2: Yeah. So you know, what's the next cryptocurrency that we can jump on and get our money while it's
1: easy? well there they, there can only be Chances so many are, right? it's not gonna happen. i mean going not say by the time that we've run into it, it'll be too yeah. late
0: I mean there can't be can there can there be multiple like dozens of competing cryptocurrencies? I think in order for it to work, there can only be a couple
2: well, I mean today the answer to that question is no, but if more and more people use it, you know we're talking six billion people in the world, and uh you know I could see.
0: Well, there are six billion you people,
2: know, but how many global currencies are there? Five or six? Yeah. Well, I mean, really, there's really, really only one. You can make a case maybe that the euro is almost a global currency, but the dollar is still the only, and it's only a de facto world currency.
0: But, well, I could buy stuff yeah. in the U.S. with with Japanese yen, with uh, euro, with uh, you know Canadian dollars. These are things that you could cross borders with. So that's why I'm calling right. it global.
2: Well, I mean. For theoretically you could do that with anything you just got to find you know remember that currency is just a medium of exchange right. so because i yeah. don't want to walk around you know with a hundred computers to unload on suspecting people when i need stuff <laughs> i i have the money so you know
0: i just keep hoping i can find somebody to unload these liberian dollars i bought off of the tv uh, on, there you go. so far it hasn't happened
1: uh let's just go back to precious stones and, and blocks of gold We'll just haul that stuff around in our pockets. Yeah. That'll work.
0: And then just, you know, everybody would have to have a scale in the back room, and you shave it off, you know, and you got to make sure somebody's yep. scales are accurate. Yep. Um, and if for astute viewers, uh, n- we'll notice that, that Seth is not where he normally is. Just listening, you wouldn't tell, because he brought all his gear with him, and he's going to sound the same, but uh, where are you, Seth? Where in the world is Seth Anderson?
2: I am in Lewis, Delaware, and interestingly, Lewis is spelled L-E-W-E-S, which I thought was weird, but you know, apparently it's not weird if you're in Delaware. Um, I'm going to be working here this week, and they flew me up early, so I got a little earlier flight so I could drive here and be on the show. That's my dedication you for go. y'all.
0: Seth rearranges travel plans for the show, people.
2: That's a big deal. I like it. I like yeah, it. I don't quit when the going gets hard.
1: Yeah. Oh, oh there's the daggers. They're yeah. starting already.
0: Yeah. Some of <laughs> us don't leave just because the wife complains a little bit. Some of us stick it out.
1: Although I gotta be
2: honest, if I ever had a wife <laughs> and she said it's to me in the show, y'all would never hear from me again. I would say, honey, can I tell them bye or do you not even want me to say okay? <laughs>
0: uh all right and and chris we'll get to your stuff in a minute because it's it's what you have here in the warm-up is pretty much the topic so we'll get there but sure. we have some uh some listeners who want to speak to you uh so we'll I begin figured. with rick who sends us a uh a voice an audible uh, audio message and he has this yeah. to say
1: hey guys rick crouch from the chat room here couldn't let the command line godfather slip away without thanking him for his work on the podcast over the years I started listening to the podcast about episode 87 about three years ago when I was still really new to Linux, and I know that Chris's command line tips really helped me learn a lot more about Linux and have helped me use the system better, and have definitely been a big help. I'm a long way from godfather status, but I'm definitely a lot further along than I was when I started listening to the podcast, so thanks for that, Chris. Uh, I hope we see you back from time to time in a guest-starring role because you're definitely going to be missed. Take care of that family. Because uh, that's what's important. And guys, thanks for the podcast and for all that you do here on the new Geek Rant. Guys, remember
0: when we used to be a Linux show, and we talked about Linux stuff. That was good times. Oh
1: yeah,
2: good times. I, I don't know we we haven't been a Linux show for a very long time. It's only recently that we quit claiming right. to be a Linux show. <laughs>
0: so. Um. So Rick you know, got all DJ on us there. Got up in the in yeah, the mic did. and had the old proximity effect working there and. He was, hey, ladies. It was, uh, it's good stuff, Rick. How you doing? <laughs> um, I had something I was going to say about that, but I've forgotten what it was. Anyway. it uh, That's
1: all right. Um, right. I'll say, Rick, you know, be, being in the command line is worth it. Definitely st- oh. stick to it. Uh, what's funny is the fact that even PowerShell is coming to Linux. So it, it, even Microsoft has seen the, the light that, uh, being in the command line is a better place to be when writing your tools. But I do think it's funny that even uh, Microsoft can't do it right because even their new PowerShell can run out of memory where the simple Bash shell can do things that PowerShell can't.
0: Well, 640K ought to be enough for anybody, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: I see a world
2: market for maybe five computers. <laughs> yes. I, I remember now what I was going to say. I
0: was telling somebody, I, I don't remember the context of it, that that Chris was leaving the show. And, uh, they were, you know, oh, that's too bad. And I was like, yeah, he's the guy people like, that's the problem. Um, of the three of us, he's the one people like, so I don't know what's going to happen. We're going to be completely unlikable now that the command line Godfather is gone. Chris could say anything, murder, any statement he could, he could come out here and and threaten the president (laughs) and we'd get fan mail for him. Hey, Chris, keep up the good work. Sure. Like you, I mispronounce a syllable and I get hate mail for a week. Um and you know Chris is the one people like and he's leaving.
1: That's because I'm so lovable. <laughs>
0: and and we have never found out yet whether he wears pants. That the mystery is yet to be That's solved.
1: Right. And no one will know, All because right. I, you guys only see me from the waist up.
0: Okay, moving on. David also says, thanks and so long. First off, I'd like to say that I'm sad to hear that Chris is leaving the show. Without him, the trifecta will no longer be complete. Chris, you will be missed. Now, on to other things. I want to thank you guys for getting me into the tech field. Mark, because of your shows, I not only have my CompTIA A-plus cert, I'm now working as a computer tech for a local computer repair shop. Because of the knowledge your shows have imbued me, I had the knowledge to go into my local college and pass the test. A quick shout out to Professor Messer for his help too. I'd love for an entire month. I'd love for an entire month based on networking as I'd like to wire my house with uh, ethernet, but I have no clue where to start. Obviously get the cable, wall jacks and covers as well as a fish tape, but how do I connect the router to end the Boris box? These answers are more next time on The Geek Grant. But seriously, here's my vote for a networking episode month. Uh, in an earlier show, you brought up that Microsoft has made a new alpha Skype for Linux. I think many members of the Linux community were wary because uh, it had a lot less functionality than the current Skype for Linux, even less than the Electron wrapper for the web version. I myself was firmly in the skeptical camp, as Microsoft has always had a secret mantra of embrace, extend, extinguish. And while I'm slightly, still slightly skeptical, the fact that they've open-sourced PowerShell makes me less, uh, slightly less so. Let's just hope it's a never-ending, not a never-ending alpha. Um, I think that's all for me now, but I do wish Chris, uh, Chris the best as he moves on to other things, and I hope that the dynamic duo of Seth and Mark will continue to be as good as it currently is. Best of luck, David.
1: Cool. Thanks, David. Yeah.
2: So that's one vote for the networking month we've received.
0: Uh, we've well, we got a yeah. couple of others. I'm, I'm, you know, I don't want to shoot them all at once, but yeah, that at least three people like the idea. Um, one of me but you know that's okay
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then the lastly uh kirk responds to episode 248 why linux sucks although i use it daily lack of hardware support can enable auto scroll on the mouse but only in browsers too much choice for desktop servers are basically dominated by red hat and it's a family of distros i prefer manjaro but it has unique hardware detection tools that have that i've have to be learned on top of Arch. More choice, but sometimes more guesswork. No good webcam drivers available for open source. Is that true? Um, They may have to install Intel over AMD, despite the latter being considered more free. We shouldn't have to program drivers on our own for basic functions. I agree with Mark that Linux support for drivers is a self-defeating mechanism. They won't build it until people come. To Seth, former Access and Allies player here, loved it. Both editions, even the original, worse than Mercator projection map i don't know what that means dev slash random what if http tps is actually a nefarious organization that is stealing all the internet's data under the guise of encrypting it
1: Ooh!
0: wow that was
2: that
1: was that even more that
0: wasn't tinfoil visor that was full-on tinfoil tent
2: uh tinfoil <laughs> body wrap and a tinfoil bunk <laughs> <laughs> underneath the tinfoil production facility so yeah that's
0: that's the kind of guy who has a go bag and and a primacord wired all throughout his house that that's
1: okay i don't have the primacord but i do have a go bag does that count for anything um
0: uh, it means you've seen jason Bourne too many times
1: <laughs> eh, <maybe. No>. yeah yeah
0: <laughs>
1: depends on what the go bags for
0: well, I have a networking bag and I have a guitar bag. So technically those are both go bags,
2: I guess. See?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, what is
2: your go bag for? So, okay, Mark, I just I just have one question. Oh, never mind. <laughs> okay. Well, no, because I was I was looking for what you were reading because I was looking after the David says thanks and then I was like as I scrolled back up there it was. So, okay. I found it. <laughs> Hey, I've been up for a very long time, and I got in about 10 minutes before the show started, and I'm very hungry.
1: So.
0: 250 shows in, Seth is still figuring out how to read the notes.
1: <laughs> oh, I like it. Oh, it's awesome.
0: All right, so when we talked to Chris, when I talked to Chris, and initially we thought Seth wasn't going to be here because of his travel plans, uh, it was, you know, what do you want your last show to be? And because he's that big a geek... Uh, he said, "Let's talk about D and D." So, Chris,
1: yeah. go. Well, before we start on the D and D, totally, let's. I'll, since we skipped over my warm up, I want to say that I think I'm going slightly in, slightly off the deep end. I'm buying the farm. Uh, that there's a nice uh, hug me jacket coming with you know the the sleeves that's you know give me a nice good hug. You know any other? kind Of phrases you guys want to put in there, rubber, yeah, room. yeah, yeah. The, I'll, I'll have a nice round room to go sit in here soon. <laughs> I'm going a little crazy with the whole DD thing because I went from planning something that I thought was going to be short and sweet and you know, a couple of wham bam and out the door to a three day event. So, my house is going, <laughs> we're going to binge and purge for 30 days after this thing's done. Uh, and some of the things i've learned in this this little endeavor is uh don't plan a 3-day event in 2 weeks cuz that's just craziness don't pay for a 3-day event in 2 weeks because that's a lot of it's a lot of expense that you don't realize until you start going through and going oh i need that and i need that and i need that and oh i need that and tables and chairs and Wow. S- swipe and swipe and swipe and <laughs> swipe. <laughs> so yeah. what
2: are you doing? I mean, are you doing like a three-day marathon gaming
1: session or what? Well, what is, okay. Originally, when I signed up for this project, it was supposed to be a four-hour 101 is how I originally pitched this. It was supposed to be for those that have never played D&D before, have have heard about it, have seen it in the movies, but don't have any clue what it is. That's how I pitched this idea because they had a four-hour block on a Sunday that they didn't have anything planned for. And I was like, well, that's perfect. Four hours would give me enough time to do a quick overview of what D&D is, what a character sheet is, how to build a character, and maybe do a 30-, 40-minute dungeon run. Right. Me, that's about perfect. Then I go down to find out how big the room is, how big of a, you know, do, well, is there a screen? How many people is estimated to sit in the room? You know, the usual things that a, pers- a, a person doing a presentation would ask. And they said, Well, are you tearing your booth down early to set that up? The dump dum uh, uh huh. <laughs> uh, what are you talking about? A, a booth? Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold the train. <laughs> I want to get off. Cause, and yeah, so I, I went from this simple three to four hour project to I need to have stuff going on for three days.
0: You couldn't just say no?
1: Well, I could, but they've already been, they've already put my name up and filled out the banner and have put me in all these flyers saying that that, come see Chris at the D&D booth. And, you know, they've already put all, I mean, they've printed out the flyers, they've printed out the banners, they've Put my name on all the, all the merchant on all the 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 things. It's like,
2: <laughs> not the things. Uh, eh,
1: well, I'm kind of already not realizing that I'm involved with all this, and now I'm kind of involved in all of it.
0: So is it all of that plus the thirty minute, uh, the th- open session? The,
1: yeah. Okay. Yeah. So on top of my four hour block, I have to. I've. I don't have to, but. I feel obligated to because I kind of stepped in it, didn't realize that it was turning into this until after the fact. So, yeah, it's kind of gone a little nutsy cuckoo. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The closest
0: thing I can relate to that was I uh, did a session years ago with the uh, teachers conference in Texas, and uh, I... What just It was just a 30-minute session thing, but I, I made some CDs with some software on it to give out. And this was back when a spool, a spool of CDs cost about $75. So I, I threw my own money in there and, and burned 100 CDs. Took me days uh, with my Forex writer. That's how long ago this was. Um, and when I get there to go see what room I'm in, they put me one in, in one of the main halls with like 1,600 people, uh, chairs yeah. set out. And I was like, um... Okay. Well, here's a spool here for the first 100 people who can get up and get a CD. <laughs> it was that was the dumbest thing I could possibly have done. I thought people were going to injure themselves fighting over these CDs and I was like, "Whoa, whoa, everything's online. I can there's a website. You can just go down." But no, we want the we came here, we want free stuff and we want it now. Um mm-hmm. so it wasn't quite this big as big as you, but sometimes the the "Hey, let's just do a thing" turns into, "Oh, you own this now."
1: Exactly, and that's what this is basically. the The bomb was set in my lap with a two week fuse. <laughs> now I'm trying to mitigate the explosion. <laughs> um, so here, here's what you do, Chris.
2: You have you do a running D anD D quest. For the entire show where people come in and go out and then you have to have a dungeon master quick enough on their feet to work in this (laughs) character and then this (laughs) character leaves and then you do the overview and some experienced players sit down at where that one left off to fight the final bad guy or something. That's what you do. So, you so, know, everybody who shows up gets some little trinket. Um, but, you know, the experienced players at the end of your presentation do, uh, they, they take, you know, they meet this group mm-hmm. and help this group beat, you know, I don't know, TM or whatever level of hell they invade.
1: <laughs> so I thought about doing something like that, but the, because I'm not sure, you know, it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday starts at ten on Friday, and it's a Saturday Sunday, so it shouldn't be too big of a deal, but it is on a there is that holiday week that holiday on a Monday, so I don't know how many people are gonna show up. I thought about doing that, what I ended up deciding to do is instead of doing a round robin type like you were talking about Seth is instead i me and my friends have sat down and have generated a bunch of just dump characters I don't want to say dump characters but a bunch of generated characters. And so what we're going to do is I have four Dungeon Masters, including myself, that we're going to sit there and we're going to do three to four people. We're going to run them through a quick little 30, 40-minute run during the the three days, rotating DMs so everyone can have an experience. And then on Sunday, that's when we're going to do the bigger event with the larger map and a larger game session, still doing the same idea that we had, just in a larger, grander scale because I don't want to do I because of the scale that this is at, it, that I'm envisioning I don't want to go down a rabbit hole of spending you know the the 50 minutes of just going through spell listing and components and all of that stuff with people that are only going to look at this for that one weekend and then not do anything. So I'm trying to get that spark of imagination. That's what I'm basing my presentation on on Sunday is You don't need to spend a lot of time and money on this. The biggest thing you need to invest is your imagination because that's what this is all based in.
0: All right, so walk me through it as a complete neophyte. I know nothing about this. Um, I I don't even know the parameters of it. So let's say I'm going to have a weekly D&D night at my house every Tuesday night, and and my friends are going to show up how long is this going to last? Like, is it is it one game that happens every week, uh, or is it every week is a different game? And let's let's say that I'm saying I want a different group of people, so that the thing can't continue. How long could I expect a game to last from start to finish?
1: Well, a, how, I mean, that depends. How on long view. do soap operas game- last? <laughs> yeah, that's boy. That's basically how you look at this. So depending on how you want to play the way the way you want to do your, your game. Okay, so in general, you could do this either as a one-off night, so you're having a bunch of people over for just a throwaway night, and there's campaigns for that setting. You know, this game session should take approximately three to four hours. They give you a time limit, and a game, it'll take approximately that long. Then there's the games like uh, where you invade a large-scale, in you know, a, a large-scale game, which would be like uh, taking on a, a character such as Tiamat, uh, like Seth brought up earlier. That is a, um ancient multi-headed dragon that would be a long campaign that you would be spreading out over many, many months. Because you would have to... That would be like... I think Tiamat is considered a challenge level of... I think you have to have at least somebody of level fifteen to play, to of, to challenge that level. Okay, uh, all right. so you'd have so to get your wh- characters from a level one. So uh, step step there. For go back Wait. to the beginning. So your characters wh- have to level up to be able to hit something that
0: <laughs> you're not hearing me. What? Where did this lore come? So Tiamat uh, and the fact that there's a rule that says you got to be a level fifteen. Where does that come from? Is this Is this something produced? I'm told you, I don't know anything. Is this produced by a company? Is there a Dungeons & Dragons company that invents these characters and sets the rules?
1: Well, there is a company that started it all. Um, Let me actually, let me go grab my little... TSR. Is that... Yes.
0: Okay, so terminate and stay resident. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: I'm having some bad bandwidth here, guys. Hold on a sec while I'm trying to figure out what's going on, and I'm pulling up my document. Um, All
0: right, Seth, you you know the answer to this question, so fill me in while he's working on his tech stuff.
1: Okay, well,
2: Dungeons & Dragons has gone through several reiterations since I played. I played the original Advanced Dungeons & Dragons rules, and they're currently up to Rule 5, but in the original setting, there were three books. You had the Dungeon Master's Guide, you had the Monster's Manual that the Dungeon Master's Guide would use, to have obstacles for you to overcome and then there was a player's manual where you could select from different character types some character types were more mental some were more magical and some were more brawn and so you know your group of adventurers would form a party of whatever mix of characters they wanted and then they would be some jumping off part where um, they would, the dungeon master kind of controls the world. He's built a world to for them to go into. And sometimes people have a very specific world made. Sometimes they just kind of make it up as they go along. And um, within the context of D&D, you can do a lot of things. Like I remember the group I played with one time, we wanted to have like a poker night. So we had like a little 10 minute adventure, to get to a town, and we went into a casino, and then we were playing cards the rest of the night using the gold we had won in the adventure up to that point. So, you know, we could either be broke or rich at the thing. So, yes, there is a company that has books. Um, More experienced players uh, usually kind of modify the books somewhat just to more suit their liking.
0: So do you have to have this this? pre-printed material to play a game or can no, I make really. my own Dungeons & Dragons style adventure?
1: Usually somebody has some form of the books to base something off of. Um, they do have all of these resources available online, so if you have the PDFs they're easier to browse through. So, um, And then there's plenty of online resources as well that if you wanted to just quickly get a schematic of a base system the, uh, usually they're called like a D20 system. That's the current You use certain dice to do your different rolls, damage, attack, skills, or different things, and that tells you based on chance if you successfully did something or did not. Um, That's what the game master or dungeon master is there for. He's the one that says, okay, you want to say pick that lock. Well, you'd roll a dice to see what chance gives you, right? You would roll your dice, whatever your the dice roll gives you would say if your chance of of success of opening that lock is a f- pass or a fail, it's all based on a chance roll all right so so if you're you, and if you roll over the chance, you open the lock,
0: okay, so Seth, you were talking about the the different types of characters so I've got on my team um uh, an ogre, which I'm going to assume is really strong, and an elf, which is really smart, and a mage, which is a wizard, okay? so uh, And I go into a situation where I need strength, so I'm going to go to the ogre. And mm-hmm. how how does the game then work? I mean, do, but is it like a multiplier of my base skills as a character? How does How is the ogre better at
2: a strength task than the mage? Okay, um... Well, Chris, that's I only your- know version one rules, so that's fine. I don't want to confuse him. So every so.
1: every every yeah uh, every character cl- or every every character has a, st- a certain statistic that you pre roll as your base stat. So everyone has a strength, a dexterity, a constitution, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. You you have those on your character sheet that you have right, so- when you start the game.
0: I know you haven't trouble hearing me, but I need to stop and clarify this. So, if if it's chance every time, what makes one character stronger than another by archetype, or is it does it not work that way? Does do, does picking an archetype automatically give you a certain boost in points for strength or skill or dexterity?
2: So what, like in the. Uh In the advanced, in AD&D, which used to, you had the box set Dungeons & Dragons, and then you had Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, which was a little more wide open. Um, In the Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, you would, you know, you have those basic sets, and say, if you wanted to be a fighter, then you had to have a, there were certain minimum levels of certain aspects that you had to have and then as you advance in level like you you get more hit points you become stronger you can deal out more damage chris talked about picking a lock which if you have a thief class that's really good at level one they have an x amount of time to an x chance to pick the lock at level two x plus something at level three x plus something so some some character classes are better at certain types than others. So if you're in a, if you're in a, you know, a fist fight, you want somebody who's really strong and ogre would be very strong. But you know, if you're trying to figure out how to get out of a maze, you know, unless the ogre can smash through a wall, you might want somebody with a higher intelligence rating to be able to figure it out. And a thief would be good looking for traps in the maze.
0: And do do people, and we've completely lost Chris now, so we're not just ignoring him just because okay. it's his last show. Uh, but, so do, do people routinely play multiple characters? Because in a small group, you might need to get a better adventure that way.
2: Well, usually everybody plays one character, and that's part of what makes the game interesting. Like one time, my brother was a part of a group where they were all, uh, magic users or wizards so that's the only thing they had so when they ran into people who wanted to fight them part of the fun was figuring out how to win because they couldn't stand up and physically trade blows they had to be cunning and get the right mix of spells to allow them to have a chance against people who would beat them in a one-on-one fist fight. so and sometimes if the groups really small then yes Each person will play multiple characters, but usually it works best when each person is one character And then, you know, that's part of the adventure is oh, if we had that character, it would be a piece of cake But we don't have that character. How can we pull our resources to get this job done?
0: All right, so I'm I'm comparing this mentally to a game I do know uh, Axis and Allies, right? So you're gonna go bomb something And your, for every bomber you have in your fleet, you get you get you roll a dice that many dice, and you you get a certain point, and it does damage. For every fighter, you roll dice, and you get have to get a different number. For every tank, you roll dice, you have to get a different number. So that is that how the different attributes of different characters works? You roll different numbers of dice, or have to get different levels of dice. Similar.
2: Yeah, it kind of. uh, Yeah. So, like, if you are a very strong person. Like, let's say, for example, in order to hit this one bad guy, you have to roll a 10 out of a 20. Well, if you're a very strong person, you know, maybe you doesn't you don't have to roll as high. Or if you have a high dexterity, which means you're very fast, you might not have to roll as high. And if you're strong, you can do more damage because certain types of characters are tougher. And so it takes more strength to hurt them. Some type of characters are faster. And so it takes more speed to be able to catch them.
0: So, Chris, you talked about the, the imagination component of it. If I'm playing out of this book that already has the quest and the map and the characters, where does the individual player's imagination come in?
1: Because, well, like I said, the books, the these, these, these books that you would be playing out of are just starter points. So, like, they're just a way to get the, the imagination kick-started because... Once you get going and you start playing in the and you're used to the way that these books work, the the game master can then start building these worlds on his own and not needing the books to then start these stories because it boils down to now it's a it's a storytelling of more than just what the book is telling you. It becomes now the dungeon master is playing all of the non-player characters, the NPCs and the interactions between the people that are being, say, a player, so like you, and the interaction between me as a as a common bartender, and how we interact, and then how that it progresses the story. So we're we're it's, it's a communal storytelling, because let's say you're playing a a fighter who's a drunkard, but yet sees that he must you know uphold the law, and he sees that. Um, Someone's, you know, taking advantage of somebody in the corner at a game of cards. So there's there's archetypes that you have to, you know, you're playing that role as you may be a drunk, but you're still upholding the law.
0: Okay, so that's the things I've, the memes I've seen with the chaotic good, the, right. the lawful good. So if I am a character um, who ha- is uh, a lawful good, I am compelled to take action. In a situation based on the, the the story, is that what you're telling me?
1: Similar, yes. And then there's other there's other things that have been added to fifth edition to help players move on or to to give them um, story or the the. I just lost the word. Uh, to give players that are not ex- as experienced with role playing uh, things to play off of the. Look at my other book here. Um, it would be similar to uh, Bonds. So, like, I should have grabbed my book when I was wandering around getting everyone off the network. Because um, they, they've added some new things that, they, that you wouldn't have been used to, where they have done things similar to uh, flaws. You know, you, your character has a flaw that, say, maybe in. As a priesty character, he sees only religious symbols. You know, he sees um, faith in everything, but yet he's too much of a zealot that he can only accept his God as the only God. That's his his belief and his but his flaw. So when he's interacting with people, that's how you have to as a bouncing point for how he would interact with other people in this world. Um, and there's lots of different lore when it comes to, then that's up to the dungeon master for the lore, to know the lore. The players don't need to know the lore. It's more on the dungeon master to know that stuff.
0: So w- would the dungeon master then be responsible for keeping me from doing something that is outside of my character?
1: No, because you would. what would happen is if there is a point in the story where you're, like let's say you're a lawful good, something, and you're starting to do things that are outside of your character's your alignment, that's the, the lawful good, or the, the that type of thing, you're starting to do things that are outside of your um, alignment. You would then start um, if your character would be like a cleric or a, a priestly type, maybe your healing spells don't start, start stop working. Or, you know, and then the player then would get might get the clue that hey what's going on? Why why are my things not stopped why have why are things not working the way they're supposed to? And then the player would then ask, Well, hey, what's going on? Well you're starting to act outside of what you should be as a as a cleric. You should be more lawful or more thinking more of the greater good instead of slitting the throats because you're trying to take that guy's purse.
0: And what if there's a disagreement between players? Is the dungeon master God?
1: Not necessarily. Um, That's part of role-playing. There's always going to be disagreements. It's up to the group as a group to handle disagreements. Um, I've been involved in a couple of disagreements where players fought and have wounded, killed, resurrected and killed and resurrected other players. I mean, it's all how the players, but the the thing to remember is it's, even though you're role-playing, you should not take it, too realistically because it's still just a game. And that's where people have a hard time with is that it's still, that there has to be a a fine line between this was in the game, not in real life. Well, you're dealing with
0: pardon the the generalization, but you're dealing with nerds here just Mm -hmm. in general. I mean, if you're talking D and D, you're talking nerds, all right. Jocks aren't going to be doing this as a general rule. So nerds are not known for their ability to separate fiction from reality. Right. So it- is this a is this like a, an endemic thing in the game, where where you know, like for for example, in the poker world, I know a little something about poker because it's something I enjoy. Um, you know, it's not uncommon to have a drunken fight break out at a poker game because the kind of people who play poker are also the kind of people who break noses mm-hmm. so is it the same kind of thing where um you're going to have some sort of you know long-standing uh personal feud at because of a D thing because the type of people who do that are the type of people who you know passive aggressively it, seethe.
1: it's possible um but usually uh in the the rare occasion that i've seen it happen it usually doesn't get much further than you know the 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 slight grudge, and then it's up. To, you know, a lot of times the dungeon master can have a little bit of play with that, where he can um, maybe help uh, right the wrong, and maybe bri- rebuild a bridge in that friendship, if it's possible. Um, I've seen it. I've seen bridges get rebuilt and made stronger by role playing. Uh, I've also seen it not turn out so well. <laughs> So, as a, as a general rule, do people pick characters like themselves
0: or unlike themselves?
1: A lot of times it's what the, the people will pick characters of what they want that, that they wish they could be is what I okay. see a lot of. Um, I also like to tell people, try things that you've never done that you would never be able to do, or that you would think that are totally opposite of you, because those are usually the type of roles that are easiest to play. So if you're a a book person and you're used to being, you know, nose in a book and reading all the time, you're used to that. It's going to be, it's, that's an easy thing to fall into, but being a sword swinging crazy person is a really easy opposite to be too.
0: So how does, how does being a bookworm work in the D and D world?
1: Well, cause there's a lot of, there is some math works to do with, with some of this, um, in 5th edition they've streamlined a lot of the the mathing down so it's not quite so hard. Um they're they're back in second edition and third and Pathfinder the 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 different rule sets they got really bogged down in the math of The dumbing down of our culture, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> well, it, it it was really crazy back in the 3rd and Pathfinder's editions of the rule set. It was like for, as an example, last night we, I had the same discussion with somebody, and it was ridiculous. Where you'd have to keep math the the math circle for an, like an archer. Okay, for us to think of if anyone who's picked up a bow, it's not terribly difficult to get the idea down of at this many yards away. It's this type of a, of a shot. This you know, it's not hard to think of that for a bow. I've shot a bow. I kind of understand how a bow works. In, 3rd, in 3.5 and in Pathfinder, there were literally math tables you had to have on hand depending on what equipment you had. So if you had on your bracers and you had this bow and you had these arrows with this enemy at this distance, you had to have all of those tables in line to tell you how much damage you could possibly do. And it was just a lot of math. And it was not at least in my opinion it wouldn't it's not fun to me to have to look up math tables in the middle of role playing that kind of defeats the point
2: yeah, and another way where being a bookworm helps is there are certain monsters that certain attacks work well on and certain ones don't. So if the dungeon master says you are being attacked by this and if you're someone who's a bookworm, you know, oh that's an undead thing and has such fire works really well on them. Uh, you know, blunt objects work really well on them, but swords don't work so much. So Okay, so I get that as the person, right.
0: but what about the character? How does how does it make the character better to have a character who's a librarian?
1: Well, they would well, know that.
2: A, yeah, a librarian might know the history of the area and know that mm-hmm. used to, you know. Uh, well, hold on,
0: I, I, I'm not I'm not following. So, right. if I as the player know that, uh-huh. don't I know that whether I'm a giant or an elf or a librarian? How does how does knowing that, I mean, do do I get hints if I choose to be a librarian for things that I don't actually
2: know as a person? If the deal is good enough, you could because yeah. like a somebody who studies would know the history of the area and mm-hmm. know that in this area there used to be a castle and there was rumored to be an underground treasure vault. And so a librarian would know that. You know, a, a scholar would know that, but a uh, you know a drunk fighter passing through town wouldn't know to look for it.
1: So, and that's when uh, the dungeon master would do, like, say, um, "I need you to do a wisdom check to see if you remember if you know anything of this area." So, a librarian would have an easy check to do. So, you would roll your your one of your dice, and if you succeeded the check, you would get handed a piece of paper with that that uh, the answer that you just asked about that you were just thinking about would i know that information that lore that would be a check a wisdom check so you would just blankly ask would i know if there was anything in this area because of my study time in the library of this area can i do it can i th- think on that and then the you could the the you would roll your dice the dm would, would you would say what you rolled the DM would have some sort of table in either in his head or on a piece of paper that he has on what would be a successful role for that type of a check for your for the, that area. If you succeeded, you would get a answer either handwritten, an answer handwritten to you, or depending on the technology level of that dungeon master, like um, I'm not going to for this event that I'm doing, but I use WhatsApp. To send little notes to the players, Uh, if when they ask a question like that, I send a little note over WhatsApp, going, um, you know, the the yes, you would know this because of blah blah blah. The yeah, there there was a hidden temple back here back many years ago. Blah 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 blah, and they would have that answer to their their own knowledge if they shared it with the group. That's up to them. Okay. So, there, yes, there are notes directly from the DM to the players for stuff that would be checks like that. There are also times where the DM may do a mass check where they, he calls for everyone to do an intelligence check so, or a, a wisdom check or everyone do a dexterity check because of something that's going on around the whole group. And then you would roll a dice, say what you got, and if you succeeded or failed, something happened. Now, you may not know what happened. You just know that something happened. So there's right. some there's some mystery to it too, because just because the DM calls for a check doesn't mean you get to know what the check was for.
0: So if I if my character is um, you know i a a a drunken barbarian wanderer. Um and I walk into this area and I ask the question, do I have any knowledge about the history of this answer? Would based simply on the content of my character, would the DM just say no or do I always have to roll to find out?
2: Um, that is kind of up to the DM because say yep. a drunken barbarian would need to roll a 20 because he heard something traveling around. Yep. But a sage might only need to roll a 10. Because he has studied the area and knows where he's going in, so in that situation, being the thinker, studier would have a higher thing. But you know, it's always possible that you heard somebody saying at the last tavern down the road, "Man, I've been searching for that treasure for a hundred years," and you know, blah blah blah. So, got it. That would be- so
0: if it's outside of my character, but I get lucky enough, I can still get the information. You st- yeah, Correct. you still
1: could get or pieces of it you may get a piece of the information. So, Mark, here, I'm going to share something to you really quick, at least through the screen share, so even the people on YouTube will be able to see what we're talking about a little bit if you've never seen a, a Dungeon a, a dungeon and dragon sheet. So you can see here on the left, this is the... So
0: each character gets one of these sheets? Yes. Okay.
1: So everybody has... Now you can see on the left you have the... Strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. Those are your base stats. Every role is based off of them.
0: What's a saving throw?
1: Saving throw would be, um, that would be, like I said, a a check of some sort. So if it's a saving throw would be like if it's a, um, say you're getting uh, tripped. uh, A dexterity saving throw then would be... That's a saving throw. Um, There's different, it it all depends on what the role is or what the thing is for that you're doing a save for. Um, And then. So,
2: a a good example would be y'all are all standing around a locked chest and the thief picks the lock, but he didn't pick it right. And so, this poison cloud erupts. And. You, and depending on the spell and the whatever and the type of poison, if you make your saving throw, you were able to jump out and tuck your head, uh, good enough to not take any damage. If you rolled like a one, then you fell into the cloud and took double damage. If you were off by one, you only caught a whiff. And so, and you know, there's, there's not one saving throw. There's a lot of different types of saving throws depending on the situation. Yep.
0: So every, so the dungeon master, has to be able to to have all these things pre-planned or throughout the quest.
1: Not necessarily pre-planned, but be agile enough in thinking to be able to be able to pull some of this stuff off on the fly, because no matter how good the DM is in pre-planning what the night's going to entail, uh, the players can do to- something totally different. Uh, as an example, uh, the my game that I'm running right now currently. Um, I pre-planned them to be going a- in a certain path in this graveyard that I already, ha- I have all of it planned out the-, the whole shebang all the way from the opening of the graveyard to where they're supposed to get to and have bread. I, I literally breadcrumbed the whole path lit- with, you know, th- this points to this, this points to this, that type of, you know, cause there's some little kids playing with them and I wanted to make it pretty obvious and pretty easy that this is the path that we need you to go. Nope. Not even close. They didn't, they didn't even make it to the graveyard. They totally went a total different direction and went down a, a different street in the town into the sewers. So I had to be agile as a DM to on the fly, spin a totally different direction and, and, spin the story so we could continue going and not rail and not try to railroad them into the thing i had planned that night because then it's no longer a communal story it's me forcing the story and that's no fun
0: so is that fun for
1: you to 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 make up <laughs> stuff as you go it can be there are times it really makes me have to to just ah but it kind of keeps you on your toes because you never know what's going to happen. And as as a player, most of the time you don't realize that that happens Uh, with a good DM. If he's at least, I I don't want to say with a good DM, with a, with a DM that has a, that has experience under their belt and they realize, uh Oh, this isn't going to go the way I'm ready for. They start spinning their wheels ahead of time because they see it happening and they, they're ready for it before it happens. And that comes with time, which is why those those prefab books that I was talking about earlier, that's why those books are there, because they help teach the D, the, the uh, a DM and a player how the game is structured and how those things are how how to be intuitive and how to to see how a story is built. Because a lot of times we don't realize how a story should go until we've already reached the end of a book. You know, uh, like the the what is it? The theory of a hero is not. It's not right. I can't. The hero's journey. Yeah, that's it. The hero's journey. A lot of times, most people don't realize that they read that they've read the hero's journey, uh, uh, another hero's journey, until they finished it and went, "Well, that was just another hero's journey book," but yet they were lost in the story until the end, and then they go, "But I've read this type of book already."
0: 'Cause there's they're all
1: that yeah, book. Right. But yet we still read them over and over and over because we enjoy the story. And that's all these things are. It's you're you're just spinning a story, but it that's the fun comes in because you're playing it with your friends and you're you're enjoying an evening with your friends and communally generating a story. Um and there's times that your friends get on your nerves and they don't do what you want them to do, but they're people, <laughs> you know. It's that's the way things work. So, and I, I personally, I love role playing. I I've done it since I was little, and I'll probably do it till I die. Uh, it's one of those things that it's it's a guilty treat treat of mine. Yes, love. <laughs>
0: I, I didn't hear what she said, but maybe it was just
1: for you she it's she says i love it so much because uh I already know the ending of the story basically because I'm the dm but I get to share the story with my with everybody around me
2: Seth have you ever run a game like that or have you always been a participant um usually I was the participant but occasionally I would dm so um which side do you prefer to be on? You know, I honestly, I prefer to be the player because it, it's more fun to me to be the player because I like to experience it rather than shape it. My oldest brother, he was better, he could play good, but he was much better as a dungeon master, uh, setting up and controlling and kind of hurting people along. So he, he could play really well, but he was a much better DM. I could DM okay, but I was a pretty
1: good player. And that's, you'll, Back you'll, in the and, day, <laughs> and that's you'll and you'll know where which side of that coin you're on when you're when you start playing. You'll know within a couple. I would say, as uh, as long as you have a decent DM at, with your first experiences, I would say you would know within the first two or three sessions of playing, and then running a game two or three sessions, you would know which side of that coin you fall on more often than not. Because it's it's a different, when you're running a game, it's a total different mind frame than playing it. And most people that are DMs, they enjoy being a DM, but there's times they just want to play. So all you gamer groups out there, I'm I'm sure there are a few listening, let your DMs play once in a while. They'll thank you for it. Because we get yeah, burned out but, too.
2: Yeah, the group that my brother ran, I would say over say, over 20 or 30 sessions, he would be the DM 15 times. And y- usually his was a contained, you know, it, it was the same people running the same characters, building them up. But when somebody else would DM, everybody would just generate characters yep. and then it was just a throwaway story. So, you know, it wasn't continued or it might just be a couple of weeks and then they were done with it. So, yep. it, it, and again, you know, that's more... Who is the person doing the DM has to what kind of story it's going to be?
0: And the- so let's say I'm a listener and I've been listening to this for about forty five minutes now, and and I just I still don't know whether this is for me. What? How could I know? Short of doing it, right? Because it sounds like it takes some effort to 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 get started. How am I going to have a good sense of if if I'm the type of person who would like this? What type of person likes this sort of thing?
1: I would Chris? say. If you're a theater person, you're going to love this. If you're somebody who is who is a theater guy in, in school, you're going to love D&D. Pure and simple. Uh this is right up your alley. Um if you're one of those mastermind people, you're going to love being a dungeon master. Um What about just as a player? If you're that's the theater person. If you're a person who likes okay. theater and likes to 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 assume a role and you like that I'm going to be that snooty, then you're you're going to love this because you can be that snooty person for that hour or four hours. And in that four hours, you're that snooty little jerk that no one likes. But then at break time, when you guys are no longer in those roles, you're their happy, lucky self. Um, That's the cool thing about role-playing is if you get in a good group or you find a good group that, that does that, Man, it makes it awesome. And you'll have some great memories with those groups. And I would definitely say, um, to, to, to stop for a second, just to to, to bring it down for a half a second before I lose it, uh, if you want to go see a, a decent group, go look. Go take a listen to Critical Role over on Geek & Sundry. Mm-hmm. Those guys are amazing. Uh, Matt Mercer does a, a wonderful job as a DM. And you'll understand what Dungeons and Dragons are. Those guys are amazing, um, and he does a little, couple of blur, a couple hours worth uh, with Vin Diesel on YouTube. A D and I think they call it D and Diesel. Uh, definitely worth a couple hours to listen to those guys play. It's it's hilarious. But anyway, back to it.
0: <laughs> I had lunch today with Matt Mercer. Probably not the same Matt Probably Mercer because I doubt he knows what critical role or even a podcast is. But. Uh... Interesting. <laughs> so, uh, Seth, same question to you. What kind of person would you say you ought to be a and d player? The
2: mechanics that go into fantasy football are yep. the exact same mechanics that go into D&D. There's some people who just you know do a draft pick, I want this guy, I want this guy, or I want this team, I want that team's offense, this team's defense. As granular as you want to make fantasy football, you can make Dungeons and Dragons that way. So fantasy football is the jocks realizing the geeks got together and had fun more often than them, and they (laughs) wanted something to come along. It's the exact same thing, it just uses different terminology. But if you are someone who is a fantasy football fanatic and you are listening to these reports and say, "Oh my gosh, I heard this guy might be injured. I need 17 points in the third quarter, or I'm gonna lose. So I'm gonna bench this guy." And blink. I mean, dude, you would love, you would love Dungeons and Dragons.
0: So see, I'm an auto draft, and then uh, at Saturday night around 10:30, remember to fill out my roster kind of of fantasy football player. So, um I'm probably based on that equivalency, I'm going to be a casual D&D player at best.
2: You would be the kind of guy who somebody hands a generated character to and says, this is you and uh you know and says okay i'm a fighter i have a sword and a shield um okay there's a monster in front of us i'm going to go attack but you know the cunning guy no so you know you're the cas you would be the casual D&D player so
0: i would be the casualty that's what i
1: think you just said <laughs> <laughs> well i mean you know I definitely think... not in- into it well he might though i could see mark as a guy who who would get into it if he had a good ga- a good guy to spin the story because I think that's the key with any of it, with getting anyone into D&D is someone who can spin a good story to get, because you like good a good fantasy novel, Mark, right?
0: Uh, Yeah, I like sci-fi.
1: Right, so uh, something with, uh, you're not a sorcery and shield type guy, you want a good right. sci-fi. So D&D, probably not for you. You would be more a cyberpunk guy with technology and that type of thing. So D&D not for you, but cyberpunk, that would be your, Shadowrun would be the thing that you would probably get into and you'd be like, "Yeah. That's There's it." There's a TSR so
2: th- game that came out the same time, D&D called um Shadowrun. Oh, uh, no. Um Oh, Gamma World. Oh, you yeah. would love you would love Gamma World because it's the same mechanics as D&D, but it was set in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Yep. <laughs> so you know there weren't like ogres and trolls there were mutated humans and animals um, but it was it was the same kind of game
1: and there's also a post apocalyptic world that uh zombies so if you would be one of those guys that likes to to be a survivor horror where you get to myrtle I try to survive a zombie apocalypse um, oh I just lost the name of it oh it was right there that 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 Nope, it's gone. But it's there's plenty of those type of games. Um, Shadowrun was a big one too. They've kind of fallen out. They're not as, as big and popular now. Shadowrun, there's also uh, the Vampire, the Masquerade was a big one for a long time. Um, they're kind of making a, another, another swing back up as being popular. Uh, in all these different games, they all have similar rule sets. So once you learn one rule set, you could probably drop in and play them all. Um, very very similar rule sets. They're just different ways of playing. Um, a werewolf-based one. There's uh, uh, ghosts. Uh, name something. There's going to be a role-playing set. Uh, you just got to find other people to play with. That's the problem, is finding other role players.
0: All right. So if I happen to be um near the rolling uh plains of glendive montana uh in a couple of weeks how could i learn more about dungeons and dragons
1: well there's lots of resources out there um, you know the one thing i will always point people to and it's a kind of an interesting place to go to besides um wizards of the coast's website but there's an online resource that everyone that um that has a gaming system built into it called roll20 and it, it's I think it's Roll20.net, and it's a place that you can go, you can sign up, you can join a game, a, a simple playing game, and actually it's more like a video game, but you're role-playing with other people all over the world. Uh, they have all the rules, they have all the books, they can see it right there. Um, that's one place to go to. If you're in the, the Glendive area, um at the end of or end of August, uh, the second, third, and fourth, come see me at SuperCon. Uh, it's at uh, in Glendive. I'll be in the booth with D and D. Otherwise, you can check me out on Twitter. I'll-
0: That's at the Eastern Plains Convention Center. Yep, in uh, Glendive, Glendive, Montana, Montana. three fifteen South Merrill Avenue. If you just happen to be in the area. Um, for me, it would be about, uh, according to Google, an eight hour and 40 minute flight costing me, yep. uh, a thousand dollars round trip. So I'm probably not going to be there, but, um, if you happen to live a little closer to Southern Canada, that's where you could go see Chris in all his glory.
1: Yes, but definitely, uh, take, you know, at least take a look into, in, into playing role playing games. It's something that I think everyone should at least try in.
0: So is this something that could be done asynchronously or do you really need to be uh, you know, online or in in the same room at the same place. I mean, g- do people play um, uh, these types of games via text or email or that kind of Not thing? Not
1: really. You kind of have to do it either face to face or in a Google Hangout. There was there for a while. Google Hangouts were being good until this Roll Twenty system turned on. Um, that's you really have to either webcam it or something because you kind of have to see people to interact with people.
0: So, because the reason I ask that is going back to Seth's uh, fantasy football thing, that's a lot of thing that happens asynchronously, making decisions in your own uh, space, and then you see what happens, but it seems to me that this uh, is where you really need to be sharing the same, you know, experience.
1: Yeah, and yes and no. I have seen places that do it asynchronously. It's just, it takes a different mindset. It's not the same thing to do it asynchronous, to do it that way, you know, to do it via text. It's still role-playing, but it's a different type of role-playing. All right. Seth, do you have any
0: thoughts? No, I mean. Other than you're hungry and you want this to be over. Well,
2: no, I mean, it, it just, D&D is more, it is a world and just like, You there are millions of things to do in the world we live in. There are millions of things to do in D and D. You can make it about killing monsters. You can make it about solving puzzles. You Mm -hmm. you, like I say, one time we had a poker night doing it. Uh you know, one time we ate in character. So, you know, <laughs> usually when you play D&D, you go for a couple hours, and then there's the break where everybody gets something to eat and you come back. But one time it was you had a meal in character in a tavern. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, occasionally the dungeon master would be a non-player character that walked over and did something. So there, it's, it's very varied. It can be very fun. It can be pointless. It's very easy to go overboard. There's an old movie called Mazes and Monsters that – could very easily happen if you let it um, but it, it it's it is fun for the right kind of person and it's danger for the wrong kind of person
1: yes very much so and you know the the fun thing is is if you find if you got a good group of friends and you you sit down and you have uh, a good time you'll have memories and you'll have those in those those friendly jokes where you'll be like you know, I can look at my friends and be like, "Do you remember when Kazar did that?" And everyone else we' be like, "Who the heck is Kazar?" But I'll say that to you know any of my friends and they'll all look at me and going, "Oh my goodness, you don't mean And then we'll all bust up laughing and Kazar is a completely made up character. He's on paper, but we have immense amount of experiences with that particular person that persona, I guess would be the best word for it because he's that that memorable of a per, of a persona that I pulled out of my hat. How long have you been doing this, Chris? Since I was 15. We'll just leave it at that. Seth,
0: you Seth, you've retired, but how long did you were you active in it?
2: Um, I started at 7 and I went to my early 20s.
0: So, both of you have a decade and a half. Um, of experience how long does it take to really find your footing
1: my six-year-old started and is now playing a pixie and is absolutely loving it she's seven now
2: i think (laughs) you you can be playing it the first night but i would say after about your fifth session you kind of get a feel for it because you know um and then it just depends on you know um who you're playing do with you want to read the i used to just read the player's handbook and the monster manual and the dmg um for fun because you know we did we only had the abc nbc and cbs and pbs when my dad made me climb up the ladder to turn the antenna we've talked about that before so i love to read but anyway, so. A couple of months, and it's something that you should probably only do once a week. So after a couple of months, you can find your groove. But you know, like anything, it's a co- it, If you want to master it, you probably need six months before you would even think that, and you wouldn't be a master, but you would be someone who is very confident in what they were doing.
1: Yeah, I would say. Well, in, that would be in the old edition, Seth. In the newer edition, I would say even less than that. I would say within a couple hours you would have a, you would have a pretty good clue on how to do your to do if somebody asked you for a roll you would be like oh that's this dice within a couple hours you'd be you would have a handle on what what you're doing because they've they've simplified it that much it's now pretty quick
0: so if i go find some local group doing it and after the first Four hour session, I hate it. Is it fair to say I'm not gonna love it ever? Well, it depends like Or does it does it have to grow on you?
1: I would say I would say try it a couple of different times with different people because that first time you're gonna play it, if you don't know the people you're playing with, you're not gonna like it right away because you're not gonna feel comfortable with that group. Because that's the that's in my opinion, that's the biggest key is feeling comfortable with the people you're playing with. I would say go out Find that your you know, your comfortable group of friends, pick up the starter box. It's like twenty five dollars. It comes with four pre generated characters and a, a basic walkthrough. Sit down and walk through it. Have everyone change roles. You know, there's a fighter, a mage, a th- and a thief and a dungeon master, and I th- think there's something else. But for twenty five bucks, you've probably wasted more money on a movie.
0: Okay. All right. Any questions I didn't know to ask? <laughs> what have we not covered?
1: Not all dice are made the same. That would definitely... So
0: there's a difference in quality of the dice? There is.
1: And that is an easy one. It's it's something that can happen. Don't be discouraged. Um, cheap dice are cheap dice. Expensive dice can be cheaply made. Um,
0: and so, what what makes good dice versus bad dice? Like you notice it always hitting seven, or you'll,
1: what? Well, you'll notice the it, it'll it'll be there's ways to to see if they're gonna how they're rolling, but that kind of takes some of the fun out of if they're gonna be a high rolling set of dice or a low rolling set of dice. But if you notice that you're constantly getting low rolls, I mean, like religiously, you're noticing this one dice is always rolling sh- crappy. Um it might be worthwhile to replace that one dice and they're not expensive. So, you know, you can pick up a single dice uh, like a d20 for like a like 25 cents on Amazon. So don't be afraid to replace a dice. If it's if it's a consistent low roller or even a consistent high roller, you know, it's it's the, you want it to be as random as possible and the solid colored dice are it's easier to hide flaws. In a solid dice than it is a clear one. In my experience,
0: Man. of course, random.org is never
2: wrong. Sure, <laughs> that's true. No, we we had a d twenty that we used so much it became a ball. It was literally <laughs> just a ball with no and and the numbers were kind of well you'd have to that we wore the numbers off and then we had a d eight I remember it was green and it became a cylinder. So <laughs> um, I mean, we freaking wore those dice out. Fun times. So
0: Fun I'm times. still waiting for the D20 to stop rolling. Still waiting. Still waiting. It's rolling. It's still yep. rolling. Oh, it rolled off the table. Somebody run it down. Yeah, it, it happens.
2: Much. And you didn't. You didn't pick it up. Everybody got down and looked to see what it was. Yep.
1: So. Uh,
2: I eventually you would get the shoebox and you would throw it in the shoebox yep. so it would just rattle around in there. But
1: that was a that's a rookie mistake that you know somebody who's played would figure out. So, so I mean, it's it's one of those things. Don't be afraid to buy more dice. They're cheap, you know. Retire them when it's when it's time. Um, How cheap is cheap? Like six bucks.
0: Okay. Set. Per dice set die set of eight. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But uh, the then there's no excuse to deal with a, a, a rounded off d20 or a, or a, a <laughs> if poorly seventy five cents a piece. A poorly that's the dice
2: that's been there as long as the group has. You wouldn't <laughs> abandon a group member when they had problems. You're not gonna <laughs> abandon your dice just because they get old. That's part of the fun. I mean, but I mean I don't you, know, know, you, you can you can also
1: old. spend as much. I mean I've seen dice that are you know I've I picked uh well it was gifted a pair of uh, fifty dollar dice a set. They're machine metal. Um, I have yet to even roll them to see how well they roll because I'm afraid that I'm going to find out they roll horrible because then I'll never roll them. But they're so pretty. Um, there's some really nice-looking dice out there, and there's, and then there's the really nice-looking dice that are really bad rollers. So it's like I don't even want to know if these roll bad because they look so nice.
2: And sometimes that can be a punishment for a DM. There's a bad set of dice. <laughs> yep. And if you did something out of character or out of alignment, the DM took your dice and gave you that one. Uh-huh. And he didn't have to tell you you did something wrong. You figured it out and you straightened up. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so it's just, again, I like that. If alignment is important, you know, or. <laughs> One of the magic (laughs) users would curse you because you did something and you would have to play with the bad dice. So, you know, (laughs) I forgot about that. I want to to remember that fun time. I mean, fun times.
1: That's that's I forgot about that one.
0: You you just brought up, you know, uh, player on player violence. Are you not always in it together or can you be, you know, a group of people with a single each of you has a single uh, mindset? How does that work
2: or is it different? How do you want it to work?
1: Yeah. It's it's.
2: You know, I've had sometimes group. if you get the group together and say everybody contributes five bucks and whoever gets the most money, whoever's collected the most gold at the end <laughs> of the adventure collects the pot. Then it's not a team effort; it's everyone for themselves. Uh huh. But if it's a you know. If everybody doesn't make it here, you know, all of you have contracted the plague, and in order to survive, everyone has to get to this thing, then you don't want to lose this character you've spent years developing. You're going to make sure everybody makes it. So that's part of the fun of the game is it's Uh varied, and sometimes every man for himself, sometimes you got to stand up for the other people.
1: Or sometimes you, as a DM, purposely implant a person that is nefarious. And they're your mole, and you feed them information, and then have them turn on the group when it's right for the story. And then if the person does turn, like they you've asked them to, great. If they don't, well, now you have a story plot that you can point on, pivot off of for later. I've this
0: sounds an awful like like an awful lot of work.
1: All, <laughs> oh, but it's fun. It's fun because you're 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 able to do things in the game that you can't do in real life especially as a dm yeah, cuz you can manipulate it, in you can manipulate the environment in ways that you can't do in real life because it's against the law <laughs>
2: <laughs> but you know mark part of the reason it sounds so hard for you is because you're not familiar with the underlying system if you've dm for a while you know, you can have these charts made beforehand. The group's wandering along. You roll the dice. Like, this happened. Um, I, rem- I remember this game constantly because my brother made it so fun. We were just going along this prairie and dungeon master my brother was rolling to see what we would encounter and he kept rolling like you know herds and flocks so we would see you know a group of birds over here a thing of deer over there and so finally he's like okay i know what this herd is going to be because he kept he would roll and he kept turning up this way so he's like i'm gonna make it a stampede so all of a sudden we were stampeded by a herd of like basically buffalo i don't remember the exact animal and we had to figure out because it doesn't matter how strong you are. If you get trampled on by a few hundred <laughs> buffalo, you're going to die. So we had to figure out how to survive through that. And, you know, yep. somebody got the bright idea before it was too late to build a fire. And, you know, because the buffalo would naturally part and not run through the fire. And we all stood behind the fire. Uh, except for the the weak guy who they tried to throw over and the only got <laughs> hit by stragglers. So, um, <laughs> See? But, you know, so it's just, you know, because he was just doing random stuff, you know, hey, you encountered a dragon or but it was like you encountered a herd. So it was like a flock of birds, you know, and he's like, what am I going to do? And then he had this idea on the fly to make it a stampede. And then we had to go crap what is that heat waves in the distance so you know somebody kind of used a spell to like levitate up and goes uh it's like a thousand cattle and you know coming at us and we were like we're not in a forest we're out in the middle of nowhere what are we going to do so you know we tried blasting them with a fireball that made a hole but the hole closed up because you know so we couldn't shoot them with arrows there were too many we had to figure out what to do it was it was fun and challenging. And all of a sudden, being you know having your eighteen double zero strength and able to pick up one bull and throw it fifty feet doesn't work when there's a hundred right behind it to temple you.
1: <laughs> yep, and my my favorite story about D and D is it involves losing a character, uh, and I always like to bring it up because it involves when me and my wife were playing together and one of my favorite one of my it was one of the best DMs I've had. Um, my wife got a she picked up a sword that was possessed and it possessed her. And so her character had a wand of magic missile that she was using as, as her main weapon. And we were in the middle of a dwarf at the bottom of a dwarven hold, which is at the base of a deep mountain, a very deep mountain. And so she picked up this possessed sword and the sword, because she was possessed, she had no control of her character. The DM then controlled the character and the long story short, uh, she basically, in breaking the wand, it basically detonated the of uh, nuclear bomb at the base of a dwarven of a mountain, so the mountain imploded, killing out of the party. Only two members survived, but it was just that that whole story of how that all happened and how we lost the whole party. But a paladin and a the paladin and the and the thief who made it out because of a bunch of skill checks getting out of the mountain uh was just it was it's an amazing story but I always poke fun at her that she she uh imploded a mountain because she picked up a sword it's a great it's funny and it's fun and it's it's she always gets all red in the face because that's also the the campaign that she angered an elder druid and burned down half a forest
0: so when you lose a character it's what do you do? You go back and roll up another yep. character?
1: Yep. Um, that, in that particular one, um, that particular night, I lost two characters because of poor choices. So I was in a, in the, the game system that we were playing, and at that time, uh, Seth, it was in second edition, so I, I'm not sure how familiar I was second edition. It's a punishment, basically, to have to roll up a new character because it takes so long. I spent in that night because I had to roll, I had my original character that I lost because of the mountain falling in, and my second character that night, I lost because of poor choices. So by the time I finished my another my third character of the night, the game session was over and I couldn't even play him.
0: <laughs> but so does that carry over yeah. to the next yep. time? Yeah. Or, the, okay. the
1: DM? Well, because we all basically had to reroll characters that night because everyone but all but two all but two of the party was wiped out and it was just luck of the luck of the dice that those two even made it out. So it, yeah, it, again, it came down to the, the way the DM played the story and how he, and how the dice interfered with the way, cause he wanted the whole party to be wiped out. The DM was trying, that was the whole point of him. When we hit the bottom of the dwarven hold, he didn't have a way for the party to get back out in a, in the story so he was just like I'm lazy I don't want to write a write a, a way out of this so whoever picks up the sword is going to end up killing the party one way or another and they ended up succeeding getting out and so now he has he had to end up making more work for himself for having to rewrite a, or to write a new story now with these two characters you know, it was just kind of a a funny happenstance that Chance ended up making him have to do more work.
0: That that sounds fun. I think. <laughs> I'm not really sure. I'm not being sarcastic. Well, maybe a little. But truly, I don't know. I can't decide whether this sounds like fun or sounds like torture. If, if you're part
2: um, of the group, it's fun. But otherwise, you're sitting around going, let me know when you finish, guys. I don't think <laughs> I'm going to try. Whatever that software is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it, it de- like I said, it depends on your group. It depends on the, on the, on the, the, I would definitely say if you can find somebody in the area that you, or that is willing to try to DM, and especially if you, if the D, if the person who's willing to be the DM is one of those guys who can be, it helps, it, it helps these, people, he's very, um, has a, a big, personality and can do multiple characteristics and and has his hands and talks all over the place and because in the, the they're usually that type of people that can draw people into the conversation and suck people in you know those type of personalities everyone knows that type of personality those are usually the ones that are really good storytellers those are the ones that makes usually make the best dms because they can bring people into the story and suck them in um that's what you need as a dm uh, and then the ability to spin the story as you go is definitely worth it but yeah it's 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 a skill definitely a skill but one that can be learned
0: i liked watching the saturday morning cartoon in the 80s yep if that means anything no. it might have even been the 70s no um, it was
1: the 80s it was the 80s all
0: yeah. right i have it Okay, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna call it here because I th- I get the feeling you two could tell stories we all could. night long, um, and and I don't think I don't think anybody wants to listen to three hours of it. Well, if you do, that's that's the next podcast. It's uh, <laughs> uh, Seth and and Chris's stories of of you had to be there. Um, I
1: would say go to look go to Critical Role and, and enjoy their stories because they have episodes. I think they're at sixty something episodes of D and D stories. Uh, but you're they're active, they're they're an epic level. I think they're at a level twelves of of their characters. So they're they're pretty far, far into their characters already, and uh, they're superheroes, more, more or less. So it's kind of fun listening to that 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 character, those characters being built and played, and it's fun.
0: All right. Uh, okay. So this is the part of the show where I tell you how you can contact us. And don't, don't write me to tell you, tell me that this was a boring show. This was Chris's last show. And it's what I wanted to talk about. So suck it up. Yeah. Suck um, it up, buttercup. Don't write Tough. me to tell me that you want, that you want more of these. Cause this was Chris's last show. So
1: sorry. Again,
0: suck it up, um, <laughs> buttercup. <laughs> elementop.com. Click the contact us button at the top of the page. That's the best way to get in touch with us. Fill out the world's hardest captcha. uh, fill out the form and, um, let us know what you think. Uh, you can dial five five nine I M O P. Leave us a message on our voicemail, and uh, we'll play that. Or you could do like Rick did, and just send me a file, and uh, and we can play it. So there's there's options all around. We truly like to hear from you. What do you have to say? What do you think? What do you like? What do you don't like? Also, we covet your ratings and reviews on whatever system available. Now, having gotten the business out of the week uh, out of the way, Seth, what happened this week in history? All
2: right, this is a pretty cool one. Um, On August the 28th, 1991, so we're talking 25 years ago, the first email sent from space, 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 uh, using a Mac portable aboard the Space Shuttle Atlantis, the first email from space was sent to Earth. Two astronauts on the spacecraft, James Addison and Shannon Lucid, wrote, Hello, Earth. Greetings from the STS-43 crew. This is the first Apple link from space. Have a great time. Wish you were here. Send cryo and RCS. Hasta la vista baby will be back. The message was transmitted to the Johnson Space Center in Houston, Texas. That happened this week in history. Actually, this day is the recording uh, August 28, 1991. Interesting stuff. Very cool. Yeah. Email
0: had hadn't been around a whole long uh time. Well, hadn't been super public, right? So email came out, it was invented s- late 60s, I think. Cause it's been around a long time, but uh it really came to the the general public's no, notice um in late 80s early 90s with CompuServe mail and that sort of stuff um using a portable mac so what would that have been um was that would it have been the clamshell case in 91 probably that sounds yeah, about right sounds about right um with uh with Jeff Goldblum saying there is no step 3 um connected to a, a telephone modem I don't know how they they made that work, but that's that's how they communicated back then. Um, fun stuff this week in history, uh, and now moving right along. Seth, do you have something to make my productivity lower so that you look like a better better hiring option in the work market?
2: Man, this place has the thing. potential to cause massive massive layoffs. So if there's a crash in the technology sector, we know we've won. Uh, little alchemy. Dot com. <laughs> this game, it's not a game. It's a website. It's freaking cool. So we, if you go here, littlealchemy.com, uh, it loads and then you click play. And then so over on the right hand, you start with air, earth, fire, and water. So you drag earth out there and then you drag fire on top of it. Boom, you've made lava. So um, then if you add air to lava, you come up with stone. And then so you just keep you add stuff, add different chemicals. And if you look at the bottom left, you'll see there's a total of 560 different things that can be made. Um, I am currently up to 30 so you can get wire, you can get bullets, dynamites, bricks, uh, sand, um, glasses, mirror, all this kind of stuff. So even gunpowder, um, it's telling me to make a plant. I haven't figured that out yet. So, um, but anyway, you add water to earth, I'm guessing. Nope. Uh, that makes, I think mud. So, um, anyway, it's just littlealchemy.com. Go there and see what you can combine. You can get energy, electricity.
0: Yeah. So I've, I now have made, uh, a brick, mm-hmm. you adding earth, water to earth and then fire to mud. And so now if I add mud to steam, I get nothing. Um, I can make. I made an earthquake. What happens if I add steam to an earthquake? Nothing.
2: I'm, I made a geyser. So I've already done. How did you do that? And, Energy to steam and grass and. How did you make plants? <laughs> don't tell me. Don't say. Don't say. Because <laughs> I'm I'm stuck there. I'm trying to figure it out.
0: Oh, you can make. If you add water to water, you get a sea. And keep adding water, you get an ocean. Yeah. Interesting. What happens if you add fire to the ocean? You get salt. If you had energy to salt, you get nothing.
2: Oh, I made a beach. Oh, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome.
0: If I add earthquake to salt, what happens? No, nothing. I can't figure out what to do with an earthquake. I made an earthquake. I got a pretty garden. I, I don't, pretty know, garden. don't know what to do with it. Oh, wait. If you add earth to earthquake, you make a tsunami. You get an earthquake. Uh, fire and energy I mean energy and earth I don't have energy yet okay yeah you're right Seth this could totally cause this, um, this reminds cause- me
1: of another game that you can get on your phone it's uh, uh, Demigod I think is the name of it it's a very similar game where you start combining things to get other things Yeah, there's a couple of different games just like this for your phone which is makes it even worse because you can sit there and play it for hours.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you guys talk amongst yourselves. I'll, <laughs> I'll be
2: here. Oh, cool. Anyway, I I came up with this. I thought, oh wow, this is freaking awesome. So yeah, I've got thirty five things so far, and fun time. If you
0: had air to steam, you can make a cloud. And if you add cloud to earth, you get fog. What happens if you put fire on fog? Nothing. How about if you add energy to fog? This must be great to listen to. Um, Are you stuck? Need a hint? Okay. What happens if
2: I get a hint? I have to buy hints. Oh, okay. So that's how they monetize it. But anyway, so there you go. And it appears to be a cookie or something because if you close and come back on the same browser, it picks up where you left off. If you go to a different browser, you're starting over. (laughs)
0: if you if you take human and human you can make love
2: okay i haven't made a human yet so i'm not listening but anyway (laughs) Littlealchemy.com.
1: pretty cool
0: this is fun um
1: i think we're broken okay (laughs)
0: yeah oh yeah we're doing a show aren't we yeah (laughs) i could have been doing this the whole time you guys were talking about D. &D. if i should have looked ahead
1: Um,
2: (laughs) how do i start over uh, I'm sure there's a cookie or something, but you can just open it in a different browser.
0: Oh, if you hit the recycle button at the bottom, I, it starts over. I did not
2: see oh, the recycle button. Could...
0: Oh, but you still you still have stuff.
2: Yeah, so I'm, so I'm sure doesn't... there's a cookie you can delete.
1: Clear your cookies, son. Don't save positions in the workspace.
0: You had air-to-air, you get
2: PSI. You had... Okay. Just stop it! Don't tell me. <laughs> stop it! I'm gonna keep talking I, anytime you say something. I created atmosphere. Man, stop it! <laughs> okay. What happens if
0: you put fire in atmosphere? Nothing. Okay. What if you put a brick in atmosphere, nothing. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I gotta get out of here so I can play this game. Thanks for hanging out with us, <laughs> Do it everybody. at work tomorrow, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, little alchemy. Gosh. Uh, I wonder if this is mobile friendly.
1: Like I, I did it. Mark, like I said, there's a mobile game already that does that that does this. I'll link you to it. I had All to, right. Thanks for listening, I had to take everybody. it off my phone um, because of this. <laughs>
0: this this seems like uh it was a fun thing and uh I learned a lot about D&D that I didn't know. Um and hopefully you did too. Uh, I, I I I can assure you that uh, Chris had a, had a good time with it because he was just grinning from ear to ear the whole time. So, uh, we, I, we got to send him out on a high note. So we're glad about that. Um,
1: it was great fun,
0: but uh, I just wish to, uh, uh, want to say, uh, you know, thanks for so long. And thanks for all the fish, Chris. I, I don't really know how to say goodbye. Uh, we we'll, you'll be back. I'm sure at some point. And, uh, and cause you know, um, nobody ever really goes away. We just, um, You'll get bored at some point with, you know, family and wife and blah, <laughs> and uh, you'll want to come back and, and waste some time podcasting. So the door is always open. Uh, you're welcome to hang out with us. You, the listener, of course, are always welcome. You're the reason we do this show. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next time because that's it for this episode of the Geek Rant.